thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Related Views Podcast with Fig and Little. Related views, because, you know, we're related. A weekly podcast with Gen X versus Millennial views through lived experiences with life lessons we've learned along the way. It's the little things that make the biggest difference. You are now on with Big and Little. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Related Views podcast with me, your host, Ken, a.k.a. Big, here with my nephew and co-host, Tony, a.k.a. Little a weekly podcast in search of living our best life. Don't forget to hit us up on social media, on Instagram, at Related Views. Hit that follow button. You can also find us on YouTube, on Related Views channel. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. I'm so excited today to have my good friend, Anna Gopian, here on the pod. In 2013... Anna started co-facilitating a hope and support group for the town of Wallingford. In 2016, she founded TriCircle, which inspires individuals and families to overcome the disease of addiction and also how to move forward in life after a loss of a loved one. Currently in Connecticut, there are 15 monthly support groups in various towns, both in person and virtually. They also offer a wide range of clinical services in their middle field office. In 2015, Anna received a BA in social science, also received certifications in progressive recovery coach, recovery support specialist. In 2017, an associates in drug and alcohol counseling, certificate substance use counseling. That's a lot, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so much going on here. How are you today, Anna? Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm so glad I, I'm going to get a turn. This is so exciting to watch it evolve for you and, and for Tone and just really an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm great, actually, to answer your question. <laughs> so so why don't we just start? Why don't you just give us a little bit? Like, I know I just put a whole lot out there, but just more, you know, your your short story of your background how you ended up here. Okay. There's nothing short or little about what I do or say. So um, I'll say, um, let me see, 2016 when I started TriCircle and also the other organization, TriCircle Restoration, my intent was to leave something behind as a legacy. Um, My inability to have children through my early trauma and then moving forward in my life, um, additional things had happened. I knew that I was going to do something. I wasn't sure what. In 2016, that's where everything kind of like came to fruition, right? 1995, July 13th, I found my own personal path to recovery. And I knew then I was being given a second life in one lifetime, an opportunity that I did not want to waste. So, and I also know, you know, over the years of engagement, not everybody gets that opportunity. So I can look back, but I don't stare when I look at my past, right? So there's some stuff that's happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't get caught up in that because it'll rob me from where I am right now in this present moment and where I want to go. And 
that kind of gets folded into where I am in life now with the support groups and how I try to participate in every day, right? My self-care, where I want to spend my energy, what I want to do to move forward. So, you know, my personal recovery path, um, I'm just incredibly grateful. And, you know, I try to do something different every day. If I make mistakes, they want them to be new mistakes. I want to be able to take into consideration the parts of the system that I believe are broken. Like, so I'm not out there making tons of friends when it comes to what I want to do different. <laughs> and that's okay. Somebody's got to do it, right? So I haven't hit a social norm yet. I was joking earlier about the fact that, you know, why start now? So I have the ability to really speak up and, and say things that maybe other people don't say because they feel still restricted due to having loved ones, children, whatever, you know? So yeah, I'm one of those people that will say things. I'm learning how to say them differently. So I'll say that too, right? Um, so tricircle, I knew that the disease of addiction needed to be looked at systemically. Everybody's affected and everyone knows someone. So if we don't talk about it, how are we going to be able to help people? So that's where I wondered if it was different in my life and in my family while I grew up, you know, having experiences from other members of the family, you know, and my decisions were based off of that, or, you know, the outcomes of their decisions were based on that. How would I move forward and make something different? So I might not have children to leave behind as a legacy and carry a name, but I will leave this world sideways with skid marks and I will leave something behind that people will not forget. If I'm in a room with you, you know, just it's already happened. If you ended your podcast right now, people are like, what? <laughs> happened <laughs> so your, your nephew here is like you invited her on on purpose <laughs> so just just so our listeners know i'll just step back a little bit um mm -hmm. you know you and i grew up in the same town and kind of knew each other but never really socialized our whole life mm -hmm. um and i i think it's about four years ago um, I had a family member suffering from the disease of addiction and I felt in that time there was nowhere to turn. Like I thought I, I called everybody, um, insurance companies, every, like just trying to figure out how to get through this. And literally I could not get anybody to help me. And mm. it was almost as if nobody wanted to help me when mm. it came to the insurance side of it. Like everybody almost ignored phone calls and things like that. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I found TriCircle, you know, just searching online. And I, I want to say it wasn't me. It took me a long time. And I think that's almost a stigma too of, mm. of men and women. Um, I was a single parent and, and it, and it took, it took somebody else. It took my partner to find um, information online and kept giving it to me and saying, you should call, you should attend a group, you should go. And, and, and I think a month or two months went by and, and, you know, I kind of ignored it. I just, and then I started thinking, well, okay, it's another Thursday. I know this group is meeting close to me. And I finally, I finally did show up uh, mm -hmm. and, and you were there and you were, you know, running this group and it was a game changer. Like it was literally a game changer in my life to, to be able to attend a group, be with people who had been going through the same thing as I was, but having you there, that was just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, there wasn't a question or a situation in that room with that group that anyone asked that you did not have an answer for. 
And I just thought, oh, why did I wait so long to get there? <laughs> so so I, I just want you to touch a little bit about some of the people like myself that, I mean, this has got to be fuel. This has got to, mm -hmm. I mean, the direction this whole thing this whole group is what your, uh, you know, these hope and support groups and the hope after loss groups. I want you to just touch a little bit about that too. Mm -hmm. But um, this really, this must, I know, I don't want to say rewarding. I know it's rewarding, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a, you know, you're saying it's rewarding because you're helping somebody, but somebody's coming to you with, with something that's negative. So, so just could, I, I, I hope I'm asking the right question, but, just talk a little bit about that. Sure. And it's a whole bunch of things. So I don't think you can put it under one blanket word or statement of what happens in the experience. I think fuel is super important because when you are coming and, you know, I commend people when they come, as I did you, I remember the courage that it takes to come because of all of this negative self-talk or the societal impositions that have been imposed, Right. So you got to push that. And you also said, um, you know, there's a male perspective, right? In doing something like that, I can call it self-care. And it's not surrender even sounds nicer, but it's still not laid up against a, a masculine persona, right? So it's, so when it comes to fuel, yeah, I, I, I'm very angry. But what I can do is that I've learned and have taken on what will be the name of a book called The Art of Flipping, right? So I've taken that anger and I've turned it into um, advocacy in, in volume to what it is I do and say, right? So I want to be able to really bring this information out. And if I live what I say and say what I do, right? If I leave the group and still am doing what I say I do in the group, like there's... A, I'm trying to create experiences that really gain the sense of integrity while being transparent. And when I see a parent such as yourself and all those that have come before you and all those that have come after you, which you've been able to experience, right? When you see someone come and it's soon after, even though every ounce of you, and I know this from my personal experience in my own lived recovery, I sat down my first day in my personal recovery and thought I knew everything I was going to say, how I was going to say it. I wanted to, I wanted you to like me. I didn't need you to like me to be okay with who I, I was, but I wanted to be liked, right? I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to, I didn't want you to see that I wasn't strong. I, cause you know, I carried my life into that moment by myself on my own. I survived. And now here we are trying to expose the fact that we're looking for help and support. And it's incredibly vulnerable. So everything I thought I was going to do or say, and I'm sure I'm saying this, I could speak for you. It didn't come out of your mouth. No. And, and yep. everything you didn't want to happen, happened. Mm -hmm. But that's what actually unified you. And, and I can say it's an honor and privilege to, to watch what has happened in your life. And for you as a man and a person um, in, in all the people around you, you didn't just evolve in your own personal self-care and you became knowledgeable. You share your information and now you are subcontracted as one of our paraprofessionals and you are there two Thursdays a month, second and last Thursday of every month in Southington. And uh, you are that 
for people. They look at you and they say, my God, this guy can answer the questions be- with his lived experience. Right. Yeah. And, and there's very, and there's very few men there, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's mo- it's mostly the women that come. And I think, and I know from my own personal, you know, experience, you know, there was a lot of shame and guilt and a lot mm-hmm. of things around that, that, you know, that you feel. And I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, um, I, I'm going to just say this from my own perspective, but I just mm-hmm. think it's easier um, for women to come and bond with other women where when the men come, it, it, it's, it's a much different, you know, it, it's, it's, we're supposed to be strong. It, you know, we, we were supposed yeah. to, you know, yeah. and, 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 and you're hurting, you're showing up to these, to these meetings, you're hurting and, mm-hmm. and, and you don't know if you can be strong. And mm-hmm. then when you show up and you're vulnerable and you realize it was okay, mm-hmm. I was vulnerable. I put myself out there and it was okay. Yeah. Like yeah. people accepted me and, yeah. and moving forward, I, you know, and I hope I, I really hope it like being the, the 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 male figure there that that bring more people and just to say hey it's okay come on in tell your story mm-hmm. we're you know we're all good here but mm-hmm. you know it's, I, I I know it's still tough yeah. you've joined her army yes yeah yeah, yeah and it's yeah. amazing you think these rooms would be packed. You know, we say this when there'll be, you know, if there's one, say we've had meetings and no one showed up, right? And I'd like to believe those are because of the people that have come, have got what they needed and they moved on, right? And that has happened and they'll come back every once in a while. But I just, it doesn't make sense. It's, that's the power of the stigma and the shame and the guilt and the isolation. And I always say, stigma, shame, guilt, isolation are just as detrimental as the disease, So in the process of flipping it over, you want to take those things as fuel as well, because in the very beginning of my personal recovery, someone, I can't say it the way I said it, but someone said I was not part of the percentage of people that was going to make it. And that is where I picked up spite and flipped that into an asset. And I stayed. It was, it'll be a shirt. I won't say it now, but it, it, yeah, it fueled me. And anything that tries to rob me of living well, I look at that. I remember that. And I say, really watch me, watch me. Right. So yeah, you join the team, you, you join that forward movement, you know, like tone or Ken, when when you're little and you're in a pool and you go around the pool with all your pals, right. And you get that force right and it's a force right if you turn into it you can't just solely change the direction of it mm. you have to really stand there and break it back down you have so. to convince enough people to go with you in the wrong direction yeah yes but it's possible right yeah yeah, yeah. so i might not be on a path of um uh, like ease in the matter of speaking it might not be the easiest path to take but i believe when enough people join the force that the direction will change and we will be able to make a difference when how the disease of addiction is looked at mm. and people are given the empathy and compassion in the, in the easy access to resources, because as Ken, how many places you called, how many, I mean, I'm not crisis intervention, but because my name and number is out there, I get calls all the time and it's very hard for me to not almost like accept the challenge. You know, Anna, I, I, you can't even say it's very hard for you not to, because I know you're just you're first in line. 
bring it on, bring it on. And, and I know you are, and I know the passion you have with this. And, and I'm just going to share with the listeners uh, in the, one of the, one of the meetings the last meeting I was in, we had a young lady with a young daughter um, and she attended virtually. And she said, you know, I, I would really like to, you know, come to an in-person meeting. I just, I'm new in the area and, and I would have to figure out childcare. She goes, although when I was talking to Anna, she said she would provide childcare for me so I could come to a meeting. And I'm like, yep, that I, I, I looked <laughs> that at sounds like, about right, yeah. and I said, yep, that's Anna. Yeah. She yeah. knows Anna. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just this, that's, I know that's how passionate you are mm -hmm. about this and, and how available you are to everybody, no matter time, day, night, weekends, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever you have going on. I, I just know that your dedication is second mm -hmm. to none. Thank you. And, and the, that is something that we asked for in a recent request for funding, because, you know, we need money to make these things happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we look at things and we kind of like stand back and say, well, what are the obstacles of access? Right. Child care just for this woman to get support and be able to be present for herself, right? And know that her child was safe. So how does that happen? And so that's something that we're trying to fold into this most recent request is like, so I'll take it, that's the parent, guardian, or loved one. What about the person with a substance use disorder? When you keep trying to build a continuity of care, aftercare, and they have a child, yeah. you know what I mean? Or it's a grandparent raising their grandchildren because they're their grandchild is missing and they got their child, you know? So if the daycare or I can't say daycare, cause that's a whole nother bunch of rules and licenses and stuff. If the childcare babysitting, however, is made available and you're able to go to your, your therapy appointment, or you're able to go to a support group and you're able to take an exhale because, you know, you know, Ken, that those groups, we talk about a lot of stuff, but the self care and the importance of the the support system to get their own self-care like because the disease has infiltrated everyone's life right it mm -hmm. takes it, it takes everybody down right anybody in a system and if you've tried to keep the secret and heal this situation on your own long enough you know what i mean more people get involved that mm -hmm. whole thing that whole system and, and wake of energy that people that we're trying to break the disease utilized to take everybody in. Yeah. So it's really, you know, and there's other siblings, there's marriages that break over this. There's, you know, you lose friends until you're positioned. And I look at the disease as its own entity positioned by the disease to be alone. Yeah. And then the decisions that you make, it can really, I personally was hospitalized and celebrated my 20 year recovery anniversary locked in the psych ward. Because it tried taking me out a whole nother way. It tried to take me out emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get to the story before the story, a large component of what TriCircle wants to bring to the table is a long-term program with uh, the continuity of care addressing a whole person, right? If you're not anywhere long enough, safe enough, you're never going to get to the story before the story. The drugs were not the problem. They were the solution yeah. to an older problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of self-medicating there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that could be mental health, self-medicating yeah. mental health mm -hmm. or trauma, right? Yeah. Or the, you know, a, a legitimate 
reason for needing a narcotic or an opioid or, or whatever, benzodiazepine, there's all different medications. I'm not a doctor, but there could be a legitimate reason that turned into uh, a doctor, de yeah, doctor dependency, but they never educated you on the potential coming off of it, right? And then that's what spiraled. Well, then what I'm, what I'm also hearing is like, have, have the doctor, do the doctors know, like they're just doing what they've been told. Yep. You know, like they're just doing what they've been trained. Like I, I almost don't want to blame them because it's like, they're like, no, if this is the issue, prescribe this, this amount, go ahead, mm -hmm. just give it to them. You right. Know? But that's been exposed to tone and which yeah. is really good with the advocacy and the concerns with all, you know, now, now what's the, oh my God, it's poisoning that's going on now with the mm -hmm. fentanyl that's infiltrating all substances. I mean, you can just be a partier, right? You can, you can, don't have the disease of addiction. You want to go out and drop this or do that or whatever. You want one of something. And that's it. Party's over. Because yeah. it's straight fentanyl. So we're we're saying that um, there's one group. I mean, there's, you talk about moms and dads. You guys got, you know, I'll say to Ken, I don't know, Tony, I think you got furry kids and four-legged loved ones. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have children either. But parents have superpowers, right? They, and even for my own personal recovery, I was able to help a loved one too. You know, it was out of order in which the family member that I helped, it was out of yeah. order. But when it comes to, you know, breaking cycles and doing things and trying to help, you know, parents, guardians and loved ones, I don't know where I was going. I kind of went off track, but the fentanyl, these people have come together and look at it as a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. And it's a poisoning and it's counterfeit pills right now that are coming in through Mexico in the millions and, and what's in a pill of straight fentanyl can like wipe out a town almost. Yeah, it's yeah. just that power. And, and, and what they're putting it in, what they're mixing it in, everything from just simple, you know, now that they're legalizing marijuana mm -hmm. here in the state of Connecticut, right? Yep. They're, they're putting it inside marijuana. They're just putting it inside anything they can, mm -hmm. you know, just. And and there are a lot of un, un, unsuspecting people mm -hmm. will will ingest this fentanyl that you know never expected to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even college kids, like, you know, got to cram for a test, so-and-so, you know, they get certain medications and that's what they took. Yeah. There was no reason. And even, you know, it's fentanyl test strips do have a place, I guess. It's just to me, almost if I was an active addiction and I got a substance, I'm not sure I'd want to stop and test it before I took it. Right. It's just not what I think is like. It might look good. So there's a lot of people, I, I say they have long arms because they're able, how do I do this? Pat themselves on the back. Look what I did, you know? And I said, does that hurt when you do that for so long? You know, but there's certain things that move forward because it's easier, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to do the hard stuff because the recidivism that happens, right? The cycle. And Ken, from your retired career, I mean, you see people that, you know, that were in and out and, you know, I don't want people to come back. I would like the fact that there'd be less of people doing what I do in the future because the need for us yeah. has subsided. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, yeah. This, this opioid epidemic that, that has hit us too. I mean, this is mm -hmm. really, I, I mean, even before, before the opioids, there was, a, there was the disease of addiction, right? Mm -hmm. But then when the opioid um, crisis hit, 
the 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 disease of addiction hit so many more people mm -hmm. like like everyday people right mm -hmm. it, it used to be like oh there'd be this person or that now all of a sudden it could be anybody doctors lawyers teachers mm -hmm. you know police officers firemen anybody right mm -hmm. i mean it's just it, it's unbelievable mm -hmm. that that the 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 disease just infiltrated everybody mm -hmm. yeah well, you know, it's been around. It's been around for decades and decades and decades. Okay. But let's be honest, right? Um, I have culturally my, my history, my father, Middle Eastern, right? Armenian. And, you know, the other side is a bunch of other mixed up stuff, but I'm just, it's been around, but it wasn't culturally being addressed, right? It was more cultural differences. So once it hit white suburbia, and some bigger names were starting to be affected. It started, it's not fashionable, but it was more talked about and taken into consideration as needing help and support. It's been around for decades. Yeah. It's been around. But now we we hit some white neighborhoods and some white people, right? So this will we don't want this to turn political. And we don't want to get this turned into like some uh you know challenges. But when we I personally in Tri Circle first of all, wants to treat the whole disease, right? So we have to bring into the conversation, those that have died, we have to say their names. We need to build in the lived experiences of their loved ones into our solutions because they are valuable. And if we say their names and we keep moving forward, acknowledging them from being here and making this world a different place, like they were loved, mm -hmm. but they're not going in vain, right? But what about the families, guardians and loved ones left behind? If you want to treat the whole disease, you got to take them into consideration too, yeah. right? So that's where hope after loss groups evolved because, Ken, I don't know that you know the folks that have been in that Southington group that you started in have lost their loved ones, some of them. Yeah, and, I know a few, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now they have the other group to go to, but that's not the group anybody wants to be part of. Mm. But the fact that they have a community that they can be together and understand and have lived experiences and conversations where they're understood. See, otherwise the disease will take them out that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, so Tony, I have a feeling I cut you off. No, no, just cut Ken off. So no. did you want to jump in tone? Um, no, <laughs> like it's, I don't know. It's scary. It's, it, it, it sucks. You know, and, and to, to have to go through that, even listening, like the things you're unaware of is, you know, how much this disease and how much, you know, this, mm. this whole thing affects everybody. It affects mm. everybody. Yeah. It's the not whole family. Yeah. It's yeah. not just the person who's, I've, and I've seen, I have a lot of friends who is particularly heroin, you know, I, I really believe that takes, takes your soul when you do it for a while, mm -hmm. you know, and just what they've gone through, what their family has gone through. I think it hurts the family more because they, they love this person and, and mm -hmm. to see them go through that and they become someone that they were never. Mm -hmm. And being that sense of powerlessness mm -hmm. and then take that back to the masculine perspective. Right. I mean, moms, yes, it might be easier for us to come together. I'm not, a, well, whatever. It might be easier for females to come together or gender identified, however you want to do it. Um, but, you know, there's that whole pink and blue thing that our society is on, you know, and then add the cultural component. Right. So for the brown and black communities, it's even um, 
deeply, more deeply embedded into their culture, mental health and substance use. Like you do not talk about it, period, the end. So trying to um, create platforms that are supportive, that's another one of our initiatives that we've set out for funding is we're trying, not, I will not run those groups. It's not my lived experience. I don't go to hope after loss, not my lived experience. Mm -hmm. right? But we know people that can provide those resources, and that's what we want to bring to the table. Everybody knows someone. It doesn't matter where you live or who you are or where you so, came from. So in your opinion, why why don't people want to talk about it? Is it, is it too hard? Do people not have the answers? To, are they scared? Do they, you know, like, is it is it going against, you know, big pharma if, if you want to get down there? Like, what? why? Why are we not? Why? It's multiple. Why? multiple yeah. reasons right let's just take it to the real the stuff that nobody wants to talk about right i'm embarrassed is it a personal failure as a parent or a loved one right like i tried to help them everything i did is it a reflection on me right mm -hmm. you know and then when you go to big pharma insurance you know like you know i can get in trouble right but i'm that girl so um it's money it's money you know the, in their systems, right? So when in these groups we teach about insurance in a matter of speaking in the rungs of the ladder on how you're paid, right? So I go this way, right? Rungs of the ladder on how you're paid, right? So detox is the highest level of pay in the system, right? And who's paying makes a difference on how long you could stay on that rung of the ladder. Mm -hmm. And then if you were to drop, what is that? And how long are you given as a maximum to be there. You want to help people learn how to advocate for themselves so they stay on every rung of the ladder as long as possible. As long as they need, at least. Right. And if you don't know how to advocate for yourself, then so you're just going to be you around. Yeah. They're just going to drop you. And then if you leave and you don't have an exit plan, you don't, you might get a list with names and numbers. But like, I don't know many people in my world that are just going to like, woohoo, let's call up some names and numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're just going to end right back up there, Pan. I, I, I can tell you from personal experience that when I started this journey, and I, I'm, I'm saying four years ago, that it's almost as if they didn't want you to succeed. Okay, we're going to give you this many days of detox, and then we're going to give you this many days of there, and then we're going to send you home. Mm -hmm. You know, And I just thought to myself, well, oh, that's for nothing. Right. Yeah, why, because, why is that the plan? It, yeah. Because that can't be the plan. No. Right. It, it just mm -hmm. can't be the plan. There has to be more. You have there has to be more uh, because it took it didn't take nine days or 15 days or 25 days to get this individual into this situation. Yeah. Right. So how how is it going to take nine days or 15 days or 22 mm -hmm. days to get them to completely cure this disease of addiction mm -hmm. right yeah. it's just it's just you know it's it's not going to happen so mm -hmm. so i i don't think that it's almost as if whoever put this in you know put this in place didn't really think it through or they just wanted to make sure people really they were doing it because they had to but that, they really didn't care if people that, got that's better the thing. I, from what i'm hearing they did think it through and this was their plan you know it's mm -hmm. keep keep them coming back. Yeah. It's like yeah. an open door. Yeah. Just yeah. keep coming back around. And then, and then again, from my personal experience, you, you know, then you go to, to, to the, to the, my family member went to a sober living and when they, you know, showed up to sober living, it, it was a business. It mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't that 
And, and, and we don't have that here in Connecticut and, and maybe we do now, but at the time, you know, he was sent to another state where it was big business. It was like, our doors are open. Just keep coming. As long as you have insurance, just keep coming. And, and it was an open door. I, mm-hmm. I watched for two years, the same people in and out, in and out, in and out of the same place. And, and I almost felt that's what, that's what kept the business running, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, we're here, I'm with Anna, we're doing these meetings and it's a completely different thing. I mean, we really truly want to help people. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, like you said, when somebody doesn't come back, you hope it's because they've mm-hmm. got what they needed, not mm-hmm. because they've switched and gone to the hope after loss group. Right. Uh, yeah. We've had um, just recently too, in the Middlefield group, uh, a dad, a matter of fact, came back just to share with us and that doesn't always get to happen, right? Share the most beautiful experience he just recently had with his kid. You know what I mean? And it was the first time in over 10 years that he was with now adult male child having this amazing experience. And I mean, that is really, I know one of the speakers that spoke for um, your group recently, Ken, really kind of like touched you in a way because of his story like wondering if the things that you had, you know, done in your past career had made a difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? And his story really kind of unfolded the fact if you touch one person, because that person, every group anybody goes to, right? We give them immediately a gift. Yeah. The ability to use us as, um, we say blame us, but use to be able to get in and out of a conversation when you might not know how to respond versus react yet. Right. So if you're just like, sweetheart, let me let me I'll call you back in an hour or don't pick up the phone. Let it go to voicemail so you can field it out safer. You know what I mean? And then learning how to respond versus react to pair away your relationship with the disease. Because it might look like your loved one. That's not your loved one. So you have to separate the identities and who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you asked the big question, though, before the brokenness of this system. It's, it's just it's really scary. And, you know, there's ways and means to change things and to move forward. The recovery houses that Ken talk about, recovery is a business, all right? So anything that is, there's money, insurance, big farm, all that, it is a business. Our personal intent is to be integral, transparent, and accountable. And when the bottom line of our organization if it was to ever have gained focus as our main focus, then we would be taking advantage and working off the back of the people we say we serve. And then we're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be part of the problem. So we might have fewer people, but our hope is that our people will continue to be cared for and, and move forward with the resources that they need. Yeah. We're not making we're not making money. We're not taking advantage, right? We're just here to help. Well, we have operational costs. So we, we need to make some money to move ourselves to that long-term goal. Right. But how do we do that? There has to be, you know, cause now I can start dropping shameless plugs. Like we need money. Right. But, um, and, and we do have some engagement with the state of Connecticut, but remember that money grant funding, it's supposed, we're very accountable to how we use the money that we get we can't be accountable for other people. I have to be very careful on how I, you know, engage. I can't look at what other people do. I have to just do what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So our grant fund is very specific to our support groups and what needs and responsibilities have to be met to provide those services. But we need uh, what's called um, unrestricted funds. We need things that will help pay the rent, you know, and be able to move us forward. And, you know, our events and activities are fundraisers, but we want that to be able to move us forward, not just keep the lights on, mm-hmm. you know, I know. How do you how do you go about getting that? Those are donations and mm-hmm. yep. things like that. So that yeah. that's one way that people could help if they if they feel moved from this. And mm-hmm. uh, what yeah. what else? What other ways can people help? Well, we have you know our website uh, tricircleinc.com, and um, we have QR codes. Uh, you can show up at events. You can take on sponsorship positions at our events. Um, and we have a whole list. We just did a spring mailer. I where is the thing? And this is like what's called a buck slip. So uh, that was inside the spring mailer because we have so many events that go on, right? Mm -hmm. So volunteers are, in my eyes, are just as valuable. And our organization is mostly ran off of volunteers, right? Because even Anagopian executive director of TriCircle is stipend. I'm not an employee. I, I, you know, and it's ridiculous, but it's the sacrifice I was willing to make, right? So I get like a monthly allowance that doesn't even pay my mortgage, put it that way. Yeah. That's, and it's, this is our sixth year, July 21st will be our sixth year. And we do have, um, you know, subcontracted people, all of our meetings, which we didn't say earlier, Ken, all of our meetings are co-facilitated. One person is licensed. The other person um, is a paraprofessional with lived experience, such as uh, Ken and his experience. And then um, they co-facilitate each group. Those are paid positions, right? That's what some of the funding from the state of Connecticut offers. So then we're also creating employment, right? Lived experiences can turn into employment. And then there's other things like we need more clinicians and we want to be able to start another group, you know, for the clinical aftercare component, you know, the continuity of care. So there's always going to be more. But if you're just if it's just me, (laughs) I'm getting tapped. (laughs) We have some amazing volunteers. And then even this weekend, we're going to be at the Barber Connecticut Barber Expo at Mohegan Sun. Because I just said, what a great opportunity to maybe provide um, Narcan to like um, barbershops and salons Mm -hmm. in a more concentrated black and brown community that might not otherwise talk about it. But barbers and uh, stylists, they are like therapists in their own right. It's like old school, the bartender, right? Like that's like the therapist in a matter of speaking. So anywhere there's a bathroom, the potential to overdoses. And if we can get Narcan in someone's hands or even open the conversation that we have support and resources, yeah. I think it's beautiful. I, I know I, I volunteered at the expo last year and that yes. was kind of an aha moment to me. I was handing out Narcan and I thought to myself, you know, like people are going to avoid me, you know, they're, they're not even going to want to come near me when I'm trying to hand out Narcan, Narcan. Mm-hmm. but you yeah. know, we jumped out, we jumped out in front of the table and we were like, we were like, you know, moth to the light. Right. I mean, just people were coming and the stories we were hearing and the conversations that was, that was really when, when um, the saying, everyone knows someone that, that was my, where I really believe that, 
that statement because everybody who walked up, with, I, you probably mm -hmm. maybe remember offhand how many we handed out that day, but it was just mm -hmm. an unbelievable amount and mm -hmm. met so many people and heard so many stories. Yep. And yeah, it was, it was. And definitely the behind huge. the table, Ken, do you remember? It says tricircle remembers. So we have memorial quilts. So we have activities where people come together and are able to make a quilt in the honor of their loved one that has passed. And at that time we were halfway through our second quilt. And so I took all of the squares from the first quilt, plus all of the ones that were already completed and had them put on this massive banner that says tricircle remembers. So that was behind the table. Yeah. And uh, so that's the reality of the disease. I mean, that is happening, but we don't want that to continue happening. And a lot of the people that are here in honor of their loved ones don't want that to happen to anybody else. And then that's where, you know, they continue to advocate and participate for that same reason too. Mm. People yell at me and, you know, they're angry. Of course they're hurt. So you kind of got to pair back. One woman was like, I don't want my kid on your quilt. I said, I don't want your kid on my quilt either. Right? Yeah. Like, how do you talk to that fear? How do you talk to that reality in that person's life in that moment? Mm. Like, you gotta let them, you gotta let them talk. Yeah. You know, is it two o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock in the afternoon? Or did they just rob all their jewelry? They're pissed. You know what I mean? And if that's valid too. Yeah. 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 So there's there's ways to engage and and help people to learn how to empower themselves and again respond and give purpose. Ken left that meeting. If he never came back, his life is going to be altered because of the experience he had. Of course. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I never stopped coming back. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and that's where it's the so value that cool. he has to offer. There's so much value in what you have to offer. Yeah. You know, and it speaks volumes with the lived experience and it gives purpose to the pain in a matter of speaking, you know? Yeah. I, um, I heard something this past week that, that this all makes me think of, you know, for you and, and for Ken for you. Um, and it's funny cause there's two parts fits perfect. You know, I heard you heal to heal others and you're blessed to bless others. Mm. So I know that's, that's what happened here. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. so now you're giving back. You can't keep what you have without giving it away. How's that? That'll tag another one for you. There you yeah. go. I'll put that in my, uh, my bank. <laughs> my she's, added, she's added to the life lesson section. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then what's the one that I say that I will die with? The beautiful thing about learning is you can't get worse. Right? So mm -hmm. you just got to try. Because even in trying, you've already succeeded. No matter the outcome, the trying was the part, right? That's engaging of it, yeah. That's it. Sometimes the increments of change, it's not necessarily calling somewhere or showing up, but maybe just writing down the address and the phone number. That's an increment of change. Yeah. That's a like a micro something. Mm -hmm. And then it's a small, tiny components and forward movement. As you get the whirlpool going. Yeah. Hey, see? In the, good, in the good way. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, Anna, talk to us a little bit about the clinical services they offer at the Middlefield office. Um, we have, at this point, three master level licensed clinicians that offer um, in-person or telehealth opportunities for individuals, um, couples, and families. Our hope, we had um, 
groups like DBT groups. Our hope is to be able to pull another group together because right now you're really, it's hard to even find a therapist right now because of the increase of need in mental health that was, you know, exacerbated. Is that the right word? What's the, made it worse in COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, it was made worse. So the mental health and anguish that was brought about. So there's a lot of um, need for that. But we have um, in our middle field office, too, we also have resources. Sometimes that's where we'll have a quilt square making opportunity. And then that's where we can, you know, if people need some help, you know, just talking and conversation. It can be done there as well. And board meetings happen there, things like that. Mm -hmm. But the clinical services having the telehealth option, it's super important. We have, uh, you had one of our clinicians on in one of your last episodes. So uh, that person is amazing, has small client base there. And then we have two other um, clinicians that work with us there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's listed too on our website. So if anybody was to go to the website, all of the facilitators and supportive professionals that um, work along with us for hope and support and hope after loss. Mm-hmm. Then the clinical services are listed. All of the board of directors members, and I can say this: every board of directors member that we have is directly affected by the disease of addiction in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, the memorial quill, all, all this stuff mm-hmm. that we do. That's what brings us all together. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So why don't you tell people how they can? reach you, where they can find you, how they can volunteer, how they can donate, how they can just connect with you if they need mm-hmm. to? Well, I guess social media wise, we're volunteers. We need a lot of help. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that I'm good at. And then there's a lot of things that I don't have a clue, right? Which is the beauty of um, humility, right? When you're able to step back and allow the people to do what they do, and, and you bring them close, right? So we have opportunities for the Communications and Public Relations Advisory Board. We have a Fundraising and Events Advisory Board. We have a Clinical Advisory Board. And then I think there's um, all the events. Like some people don't necessarily come to the monthly Uh, advisory board meetings, but they come to the events themselves and they want to help out that way actively at the meeting. So you can stay in touch with us and get involved um, like through the CC list and see what's coming and then participate when the event happens. Um, Financially, we have um, PayPal for giving. You can attach us to your Amazon account. We have Venmo. We play setback twice a month. It has nothing to do with the disease of addiction. It's something outside of it, which is super important. We have a blast. So we play cards in the 1741 Pub and Grill in Middlefield from behind Lemon Orchards or part of Lemon Orchards. And, you know, half of the money that's at the door goes to Tricircle. It's not a lot of money, but we get to share what happens, you know, with us when the opportunity presents itself. And then there's cash prizes. So that's always cool. And they got good food. So it's like kind of win-win all the way around. So that's the first and third Wednesday of every month. Um, the expos this weekend, I still need help with that. Um, what else do I got? I got a list the here. expos that Mohegan Sun? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I understand. Saturday, Sunday, both days? It's actually Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm. So if you're at all interested and you have some time, just let me know so I can tell you where in the calendar and you don't have to pay to get in. I will get the bracelet for you as part of our activity team, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing to be present to. 
Jay was one of the people that shared at one of our meetings that Ken had experienced. And I, sp I spoke about Jay on an earlier episode, one of the earlier episodes as, as, as one of my weekly positives, just, just being able to listen to him talk and mm -hmm. hearing, hearing his story. It was just unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the thing you should have him come on. He's got the, that's the largest international barber expo in the world. And he has, he's a very humble guy. And most people will never know all the things that he does to give back for his, um, you know, just out of pure gratitude, you know, but he's a businessman. He doesn't just give people opportunity to do something if they have a past record or whatever, they can move forward. He teaches them business and how to thrive in life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's so much more than putting down a substance and changing the way you live. Yeah. And if you don't, choose to change the way you live behaviors can be the trip up and the transfer of addiction and the pain of those alone will actually bring you back to a substance. Hmm. So the cycle is deep. If you're not hip to it, disease wins, right? So yep. I think the best way to get back at the disease of addiction from my old part, my spite driven kind of things, the best way to get back at it is to live well. To do better, to succeed. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Hmm. That's the almighty F-bombs that I throw, <laughs> that I haven't thrown today. Is what yeah, you did well. <laughs> uh, e e even though we've changed now from a, from a kid-friendly, so we can, we can uh, put, so people can leave comments now. Yeah. So, so just a completely different direction, just for a second here. I, I just realized that people kept saying, oh, I'm trying to leave comments and I can't leave comments on the, the YouTube and I kept looking and it looked like they were on, but then You're when like, I well, do better, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So then I, when I really investigated it, it's because I said we were kid friendly mm -hmm. and when you're kid friendly, it just automatically won't allow anybody to comment or, mm -hmm. or say anything. So I took us off kid friendly. We're going to mm -hmm. stay classy, but we're not kids. <laughs> But can we're, ask, we're not kid friendly, so people can leave comments now. Right? Know. Can Can I ask Tone? Can I ask you a question, personally, from your perspective? I mean, and in no way, shape, or form do I call my spirit old, but um, I'm older than you. And um, what? Because I'm thinking you fall within the millennials, correct? Yep. Okay. So what within, I just did it in our newsletter. Another fantastic way to get in touch with us and stay connected is through our newsletter, which if you went back in our archives, you can actually see um, Ken did an interview with us in mm -hmm. our past issues are on our website as well. And this past, um, I think it's number 18, the newsletter that just went out this in May, I spoke about the millennials and wondering like, cause I don't want to believe that they don't, they're lazy and they're entitled. And like, cause you know, all the stuff that adults are saying, of course, of course. older yeah. people are saying, or old people are saying, however you, because that's what we perceive because we came from a different generation and different way of doing things. We didn't have social media, blah, blah, blah. So how do you guys involve yourself in changing the world? Like, how do we get you to engage with us as volunteers? Like that was part of the story and <laughs> how, you know what I mean? Because you have so much to offer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if most of us are there yet. I think we're all just trying to like survive. If I'm being honest, mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know, we, we've all been put in this situation and, and I say it that way. That's wrong. Like we all got into this situation of say like student loan debt and like all the, and you know, mm -hmm. 
inflation and like trying to, to pay for things and like half of half of all my friends still live with their parents it's like mm-hmm. i don't know it, it, i know in like cycle of life like you spend so many years trying to like make it and then you reach a point and you're like okay now i need to give back mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know how that answer your question um do you see integrating the giving back into the making it i personally do I see this is giving back, right? So I see this. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, again, I'm going to bring it up for the fifth time, you know, that Mm -hmm. I I told a story that I I heard a couple weeks ago on on here about um, how you find happiness and that's, that's helping other people find their Mm -hmm. happiness. You know, it's this whole story of balloons, you know, we, I won't go through it again, but (laughs) I, I do believe that. And I do, I think my giving back is, you know, I, I originally went to school to be a therapist, you know, for psychology and, I think I'm really good at it, even though I never like ended up there. Um, I don't know. I, I give back by helping everyone I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel to, for me personally, even to like go to places, I'm just, I work all the time. I'm so mm-hmm. busy trying to pay my bills that mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to justify, you know? Right. And this I don't have those answers. So mm-hmm. go ahead. And the, Kevin. I was going to say in the podcast becomes more of like, uh, self care, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, 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 this is what what started it's out. Therapeutic. With, yeah, we wanted to share something, but then mm-hmm. it just turned into like, you know, we realized this was self care, and we're learning learning a lot more about each other and about mm-hmm. you know what we're putting out there and what kind of people we are, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. We so started it, this. We we started this because. I felt that it would be the Gen X versus millennial, you know, the two different views and, and for, for, for whatever reason, we, we kind of have the same views on a lot of things. We don't have opposite views. So after the first few episodes, we were like, okay, we can't, can't do that anymore. Or one of us, (laughs) we got to find another direction. Or one of us has got to (laughs) go. But I, um, I, I want to circle back quick um, as I as I think that through too. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. You were talking about giving back or selfless service for the millennials maybe? You were circling back for something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll jump back in. Forgive me. <laughs> or other ways to help in things, selfless service, self-care, you yeah. know, why you started the podcast in the first place is therapeutic. You know yeah. what I mean? There's yeah. that. Or your balloons. I don't know where you were going with it. I don't remember now. <laughs> I had this epiphany thought and it's just in one and out the other. Oh yeah. I remember now. I, um, <laughs> forgive me, forgive me. I, uh, back to your question. I, I think even not just for millennials, but I think the people who are most passionate, like you've said, are the, unfortunately the ones who have been affected. You know, it makes mm-hmm. me think of, of even like Jimmy B and his, his um, SB speech all about cancer. Cause he was going through cancer and like, mm-hmm. and that changed so many things, but unfortunately he had to go through it to even have that view, you know, how many, mm-hmm. and we say everyone's affected, but if you're not like truly heart wrenching affected, it, it doesn't, move you to do anything well you don't want to accept the fact that you're affected so how does the disease tangle into that right not my kid not my town not my neighborhood 
You know, yeah, I, I have better things to do. You know, I don't need to, it's not my, it, it doesn't affect me that much. I don't need to deal with it. So yeah. I don't know. Look, I, at the I, judgment. I guess. Look at the judgment in that. Right. So you're, you, cause I know parents have come to group and I'm sure Ken has heard it. It's like, I was judging prior to being affected. Right. So yeah, they say, you don't, it. You don't know until you know, point one finger. And there's three more pointing back at you. I'm going to go that way. Right. So if you're pointing a finger, there's three more pointing back at you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So until you kind of like become directly affected, you know, because yeah. cancer is something that we've used in advocacy as, you know, a relatable, you know, thing to pair back people to like, you know, let's just apply this disease to that disease, mm -hmm. hypertension, diabetes. You go, you have an episode with diabetic shock or something, you go to, ambulance comes brings you they don't say oh dude you were here earlier <laughs> you can't come so sorry you know what yeah. i mean you already hit your quota you didn't change the like way I, you were living yeah. thanks you know? i'm gonna die <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you didn't change the way you were living sorry you don't get a, what sorry, we you sorry you didn't fix your cancer i can't help you now yeah. yes exactly but the same hmm. thing as a, a lapse or a relapse with addiction Right. So you that was a perfect way to bring up the analogy. If we look at this as a treatable disease. Yeah. You know, then then we have a shot at allowing humanity to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you, if you have cancer, you don't go to therapy for 15 days, then go home and expect to to operate on yourself. You know, yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, but the neighbors are going to bring you casseroles. We always say that nobody's bringing me a casserole if I got addiction. Yeah, you're not yeah. letting the kids come play at my house, you know, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so important, so important. And I and, agree. And, and, and us being related, Tone, I mean, you're, you're, you're affected by my effect, you know, what I'm affected by. You're almost as, I mean, differently, but almost as affected as I, I, as I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every day. Yeah. 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 What an honor and privilege to have been given this opportunity to talk more about this. I look forward, if I have permission to share this, I'll share it on our YouTube channel, let alone our Facebook page and our website. And Absolutely. Maybe, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with us. I, I love how candid it is. It really is pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 Relax. Yeah. 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 This is, this is our weekly self-care. The yeah. thing, the one thing I learned, you know, when I started going to, to uh, groups is, is, is the hope and support groups was self-care was the most important thing. And, mm -hmm. and, and I've taken it and run with it. Right. Yeah. I, I, more self-care. He really than... takes care of himself now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing to see because it doesn't, there's so many people that deserve to be on that path, you know, the, so. as I think it back the timing of, of you and I can, it's even funny because like I really indulged in, you know, my own self-care, which I had, I totally have ignored most of my life, you know, <laughs> like. Do you do many petties with Ken? <laughs> I have, no, I, 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 not with him. I have in the past. But, I, I haven't found anybody I could pull on the regular with me to, to, <laughs> to do that yet. But. We can go golf, golf, Manny Petty, dude. We're going to make it all day. Oh my God. Get that's beautiful. Get some masks. Yeah, I think we got to do something from a masculine perspective. I think yeah. you should charge, take the charge on that. Yeah. That yeah. would be a beautiful thing. We're going to do a male Manny Petty day. Yeah. And golf. And golf. And, and golf. golf. We'll have to add the golf in, too. We'll do, we'll do eight. We'll do nine holes after. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. 
hot dogs and burgers and all, we'll bring it all in right yeah, yeah. that's good excellent well, Anna, again, thank you so much for being on. Great conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again. I appreciate the opportunity. Great to meet you, Tone. You as well. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. We will see you next week, Tony. See you, Ken. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you.